Hi, you're listening to Barcelona Metropolitan and this is Isha Mahajan. Today, we have Untayat, um, Gabriela Novella in the center of Barcelona at Cafe Imagine, where we're discussing identities. As a young girl, Gabriela remembers sitting on a family table, having lively discussions on a variety of topics ranging from economics and politics to pop culture. Upon growing up and stepping outside into the real world from a family dinner table, she found out that these conversations were not easy to have with everyone. Gabby felt truly lucky to have an open dialogue with her family, and with the determination to open conversation about these uncomfortable issues with people around her, she found Gab's Away, a meal-sharing series here in Barcelona where she facilitates a platform for open discussion about a variety of topics relevant in society today. Recently, she has started the Diaspora series where she invites people to sit across the table and discuss the feeling of being away from home. Gabriela also ensures that her guests get a taste of some of the custom menus at venues across Barcelona, where they showcase local businesses and culinary arts in the city. We're really excited to have Gabby here today, and let's just go right into it. Here is Untayat Am Gabriela Novella. Let's start talking about your identity, Gabby. Um, I know you have a very diverse background. Um, how how has that shaped what you're doing today? Well, I think it's shaped me in every single way, really, because having a very multicultural upbringing has allowed me to be very open to different perspectives and be very aware that there's many stories of people are made up of many stories there's not just one and I think when I think about a topic that I want to tackle I think well it's there's no such thing as a universal experience everyone has different experiences and everyone's coming from a different place so it makes it really interesting for me to say like all right I'm going to read different articles and different um, and watch different documentaries and interview different people so I can get as many sides to the story as possible. Uh, so it makes it really interesting because it makes me really excited every time I have an event to think, wow, I'm, get, I'm about to hear all these different perspectives that I don't, I, or experiences that I don't have. So uh, basically, I was born in Esmeraldas, Ecuador, which is a, a particularly... Um, African uh, community for the most part. It was founded by uh, would-be slaves. Um, they fought back and they resisted and they settled in Esmeraldas, Ecuador. So my biological father is of Africa or is black, um, African descent. And on my mother's side, I she's mixed. Her mother is black. And her father was uh, white, of actually Italian ancestry. And then I grew up in Spain with my the person I call my father being a Spaniard who was not born in Spain because of the Spanish Civil War. So he actually was born in France, grew up in Poland, Russia, lived in Italy, studied in the UK. Uh, and his parents even, one, my grandfather was from the south of Spain, Andalusia, and his mother was from Bilbao, País Vasco. So very different cultures, even different languages. <laughs> and 
his first wife, my father's first wife, is actually Russian. So my stepbrother and my stepsister, who I just say brother and sister, <laughs> to clarify, uh, are half Russian. So, it, you know, and I grew up in Canada, I have family in the States. It's, you know, it, it's fair to say I've had a very eclectic childhood. <laughs> and how, how, how have those experiences been for you to take it all in, absorb it culturally? It's um, been complicated. <laughs> Do you, want, do you want to go into detail about that? Yeah, definitely. It, I, it's one of those things that now I am so incredibly grateful for it. Uh, I think it has actually helped me professionally as well because it's allowed me to have these mm, perspectives when I comes to when I approach my work in a way that maybe other people haven't don't don't have. So now it, it's a huge strength of mine. But growing up, it was definitely difficult to figure out where I fit in. You know, when I first moved to Canada, I didn't even speak English. So, it, you know, all of a sudden I was, you know, I moved to Madrid when I was three and I was the only person of color in that entire school. And I was like, great, awesome. Then I moved to Canada and I was the only person who didn't speak English. And I was like, awesome. And Montreal is French and English. So it was just like, all right, cool. I'm just never going to fit in. No matter where I am, it's always going to be I'm an outsider, and even with the Latino kids, I didn't always necessarily fit in, or with, you know, I just didn't feel like I really fit in wholly anywhere. Um, so it was definitely difficult, and it made it, there were a lot of difficulties, and I would say even some, you know, traumas that come from not fitting in when you're a child. But now I'm, one of the reasons I'm doing this is I think I'm trying to use storytelling to heal myself and to heal, you know, and to, yeah, I think heal those past traumas and, and, and take care of that inner child in me that, that felt so left out. And now just, you know, kind of take care of her and be like, you know what, like this will be your, one of your biggest strengths is your divert, you know, your incredibly diverse um, experience so now um, yeah now I just approach it as like isn't it cool that I get to experience all these different cultures that's <laughs> yeah, very cool um, so about Gabs Away how did you come up with this idea what was the inspiration behind it uh, there's a bit of inspiration from different aspects of my life I think one of the biggest ones uh, comes from the fact that when I was growing up I at the dinner table with my family, there were always conversations and we would discuss everything. So from a very young age, I would say from five or six, which when I started to become aware um, of these conversations, uh, I would just hear my parents or my grandmother, my, my uh, brother, my sister, like whoever was at the dinner table, just having very lively discussions about all different topics. We would specifically talk about politics, philosophy, economics. Um, I have a very political family. Uh, but we would also talk about pop culture. And, you know, my father would talk about Britney Spears and the, her effects on pop culture and things like that. And I thought, like, wow, like, this is so cool. And, like, for me, it was the most normal thing. And as I was growing up, especially as a teenager, I realized that it's not normal um, that I was a very lucky and privileged person to have this upbringing because a lot of people don't like talking about um, 
particularly issues that are considered taboo, like religion, money, sex, and it was things that I always spoke about. So I was always like considered um, among my friends to be very outspoken and someone who would just talk about anything. Uh, so that was definitely one of my inspirations, and also just the discussions that I would have with my friends, realizing that uh, we shared a lot of similar perspectives, but not experiences. Our experiences were very different, and I thought, wow, like I wish more people could hear this because um, I can't. I always say I, I can't teach someone kindness, and I can't teach someone empathy, but I can share stories and show people other perspectives and. Uh, I think people, like, that resonates with people more than telling them just numbers and facts. So I think between my friends and my family, I got really inspired to do this. That's amazing. So um, kind of going off that, let's talk about how you came up with the idea of Gabs Away. Like, um, we, I read a little about it, and it said that you were inspired by the Madrid gatherings and the French salons. So can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, I... So my father would always introduce me to a lot of writers and um, thinkers and educators, and I would read about them, and a lot of them would say the same things, how they were inspired by conversations they had in these gatherings, you know, French salons and uh, tertulias madrileñas, which uh, were similar to the French salons and were done in about the 1920s or so, and they continued even throughout the Spanish Civil War. And... Thinking about those, you know, I always thought like, wow, like it's, I don't really see that much anymore or I, I don't find them or they're always very um, academic, you know, where it's a bunch of academics talking to each other. And I thought, okay, great. But my friends also have incredible experiences and there are other people who I've met who have also incredible perspectives and experiences and those stories also need to be told. Uh, so I thought it actually started um, as me thinking like maybe I'll do some sort of uh, bar crawl where you know in each you know we'll do three or four bars and in each different bar we'll have a different discussion and I was just kind of playing around with the idea of how I could do this and then I thought you know the easiest thing is food because that's what brings people together everyone I think most people share a love for food and that's what was familiar to me so I thought okay cool I'm gonna just do it as a started as a dinner series um, and it so happened that my name is Gabriela, and I was always told I was a gabber, <laughs> and that I had the gift of the gab. So I thought, perfect. Um, I love traveling, so I'm always away, and I also don't shut up ever. So it's perfect. <laughs> I gab away all the time. So perfect. I'm just gonna like. It started off as a joke. I didn't think I was gonna call it that way, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna lean into this cheesiness um, of you know cheesy ass pun and keep it <laughs> so kind of going off when you said um you started at gaps away what was the support you got and the response you got from a di diverse community in barcelona it's it, there's so many people with so many backgrounds uh what was the kind of support and encouragement you got to keep this going well, I did at first one in my friend's rooftop thinking, you know what, I'm just going to experiment. And it was, I think I put a picture of it a few weeks ago where it was like we had paper plates. It was very, very informal. I reached out to a few people that I knew in the city from, you know, different uh, backgrounds. Uh, so a lot of them were my friends and I think there were two or three people there that I had met but I didn't really know. 
And I thought, you know what, like, I, I want to hear their stories as well, because I've heard them say a couple of things before, maybe at parties or an event, and, and I think they would have a lot to, to bring to the table. Um, and so I, when I, I, it was about um, like being multicultural and things like that. And the feedback that I got was amazing, not just from them, but once I shared it, and then they started sharing then on their Facebook, it was on their Facebooks or social media or whatever platforms. It got such a great response from people saying, you know, like, I didn't know I shared this with this other um, community, or it was so great to hear someone's story from such a different background and me being able to resonate with them. So the, the feedback that I've got has been amazing. So I'm really, really happy about that. Um, so we talked about a little when we met last, and you told me about the diaspora series that you've just come up with. And I think that's very interesting hearing stories from people who have multicultural backgrounds and mm -hmm. sort of the dilemmas they have, etc. Um, was there a particular incident that laid the foundation of these diaspora series for you? Or was there a particular event? Did you meet anybody? Um, what was the inspiration behind the diaspora series that you started? I think it was always in me because of my experience growing up, never feeling like I fit in anywhere. I always felt like I had one foot. I, I felt like an octopus where I had like eight feet in different, in eight different cultures, you know? Uh, so it was definitely something internal that I always thought, you know, it, it was always a part of my experience. My, literally in everything I do, my experience has had something to do with the way I approach it or the way I see it. So I always knew I wanted to do something similar. However, I've definitely been more inspired um, lately a lot by Desiree Vela, which is, she's an Afro-Spanish writer uh, who talks about being a black woman in Spain. And she's been incredibly inspiring. And also um, different TED Talks that I saw about people, you know, like Chimamanda talking about uh, the power um, or the importance of um, storytelling. Um, and Taya Selassie's Don't Ask Me Where I'm From, Ask Where I'm a Local. Those really, really inspired me to hear other people's stories. Um, I should have asked this first, but can you tell <laughs> us a little bit about the Diaspora series? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I really, again, I just, I love the idea of hearing people's uh, stories and... After I had done a few more, you know, quote-unquote sexier talks, I had talked about sex, I had talked about monogamy, um, and I, and you know, people, you know, they, it's one of those, these are topics that people, you know, they get, get people riled up. And then I thought, you know, I really want to take it back to what, where I was really inspired, which is, again, you know, the, the multiculturalism. So I wanted to go into it a bit, more in depth with people and I and I thought okay well this is the time people you know already have a bit of, um, of a, a bit of a following and people are responding really well so I'm going to approach this now instead of you know me teaching other people because in the past dinners I had been uh, sharing information about the things that I had learned about the topic this time I want to be the student and I want to hear other people's stories very cool um, and what has the response been like to these diaspora series that you've had? I know you've had a couple of events now. How has the community acted to it here in Barcelona? 
really great. It's been amazing. I had the amazing honor of having uh, Desire Vela at my event, which was you know, it felt like a dream come true because I, I'm such a supporter of her work and everything she does. So to have her there and have her support and hear other people say, you know, like, I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I got my ticket. And then, you know, I left, you know, very inspired and, and wanting to continue these conversations. It it's been really, really great, and it made me feel really inspired to, to keep going. That's amazing. Well, congratulations on that yeah. success. Um, so we know that in a, a city like Barcelona, which is like almost the mecca of uh, multiculturalism, it's so globalized, there are so many backgrounds, so many ethnicities. Do you feel that the city is offering enough to these multicultural communities uh, as platforms and places where they can come out, talk about their experiences, share their lifestyles, or even connect with similar communities? Do you, do you, what do you think is the state of the city right now when it comes to multiculturalism? Um, to be honest, I think I don't see it enough. I, I see... A, I think a lot of people are afraid to, to see any kind of differences or, or to just say it like, hey, we have different backgrounds. It's like, no, we're all expats. It's like, okay, that's great, but there's also differences in those experiences with, you know, if you're an expat from, let's say, a European, a Western European country or Northern American country, it's a very different experience than if you're an expat from, let's say, an African or South American nation where, you know, most of the time we're actually considered immigrants, not expats. So I, at least in the English-speaking side of things I have not been I haven't really found many spaces to discuss these things again I think because a lot of it is people are afraid to to differentiate themselves unfortunately a lot of people see it as division and I've never shied away from saying hey these are my this is these are my identities there's a lot of things we share and then there's some things we don't share and that's totally okay so I would definitely like to see more, but it's one of the reasons I'm doing it is because I didn't really see it, and I thought, you know what, like, I want to use, you know, my, my skills uh, or my experiences as, you know, an event coordinator and things like that to, to provide a space for, for people um, who are not afraid to talk about, you know, hey, we're different and that's okay, it's cool. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, going off of this, this multiculturalism, do you feel that, and this is with context to what's happening in Catalonia in general, the mm -hmm. Catalan politics, do you, how do you feel that um, these different identities is going to shape, do you think that these different identities shape any different political narratives? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, again, it's one of those things where I, I think it's, it's, the, it's so nuanced you know, for example, I, I am, I consider myself, you know, a, you know, a Latina and also a Spaniard. And when it comes to Catalonia, I try to be very careful about how I approach it because as much as, you know, Spain is my home, this Catalonia experience has been very eye-opening in realizing that there's more to just nationality. There's more to than just ethnicity. There's a, there's also different uh, cultural ideologies and experiences, and and so I've been very careful to 
try as much as possible to respect that. Uh, and I know people who are, you know, black Catalans and who are Catalans, but also from Andalusia because there's a large diaspora of Andalusians here in Catalonia. Uh, so I definitely think that affects the way in your approach, you know, your politics. And I think in a way it can make it even more nuanced because you have to take all those things into consideration of like, you know, if, if you're someone who's pro-independence, you're going to think, all right, what does that mean for my background not being ethnically uh, Spanish or not being, you know, or having family from Andalusia, things like that. And if you're anti, you know, what does it mean uh, for the Catalan identity? So I definitely think it shapes a lot of the way we approach these issues. And have you had any of these conversations in your diaspora series so far? Uh, not yet in the events. I have had it with my Catalan friends uh, where we have discussed, you know, what does it mean for them to be either pro or against it. And it's definitely been really interesting because I do see myself in, in many of these many of these arguments, I guess. Um, when it comes to pr being protective of an identity, but also saying, hey, I still want to be a part of this other community. And that, that complexity and duality um, is fascinating to me. But we haven't tackled it yet. I'm trying to, I'm actually in conversations with a Catalan friend of mine so that we can have this discussion in an open setting in a way that you know, doesn't, is not polarizing, I guess. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so this is like great work that you're doing. Highly appreciate it. Um, I just wanted to know what the response has been like specifically for your diaspora series mm -hmm. and how you compare it to your other Gaps Away events. Um, this one has been interesting. I think it's one that some people, again, are afraid of. Uh, not afraid of, but I think they're more hesitant about it because one thing I noticed with the diaspora uh, uh, series or, or discussions that I've had through, you know, via my Instagram or my interviews is that people from marginalized communities, particularly, you know, what we call minority communities, um, are much more willing to dis have these discussions. Um, and I think it makes sense when you think about it, you know, where you have to be protective of an identity that has been historically um, uh, marginalized. And from a lot of my, like, I would say, you know, white audience, a lot of people have been like, what is a diaspora? <laughs> they don't even, and I was like, wait, for me, it's the most normal thing. Of course I know what a diaspora is. And my, you know, my, my friends who are African-American or, or, or Jewish or whatever, they've been like, yeah, of course I know, diaspora, I am a part of a diaspora. And a lot of my white friends have been like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Even at the event, you know, there, you know there's a, a girl who mentioned, you know, she's like, I never thought about it because it's never been a part of um, the discussions that I've had. And I realized like, wow, even like, there really is that still uncomfortableness of having these discussions because when it came to sex, my lord, were people so willing to tell me their most intimate, like, you know, experiences? They were not shy. I, I mean, I spoke to people about their first sexual experiences, about monogamy and how they saw, you know, monogamy. And people were like, oh my god, I want to be interviewed. I want to be interviewed. 
And when it came to the diaspora, it was all of a sudden, again, particularly from my white audience, being like, um, well, you know, I don't know. And I was like, wait. And I realized that I think people are hesitant because the narrative, for, I, a lot of the narrative has been, we're all one, we're all the same, we ha and this is the only way that we can create cohesiveness is that, that is, is as if we're all the same. And from my experience, it has never been that. It's always been, no, I live in this, you know, in, in many complexities and dualities. And yes, it's been complicated, but it has never been antagonistic. Therefore, it's unimaginable to me to see it as something that I, I would not discuss because it is 100% part of my experience. So it's definitely been interesting seeing the differences between different groups and how they view it. Um, and again, I, I have, and I've said this in, in my Instagram many times, where like, I, differences are not bad. I know there's a narrative of differences, but I don't look at a garden and think, oh, like, there's so many different types of flowers, I hate this. No, I look at it and I think, wow, look at all these different types of flowers and plants. It looks beautiful. There's beauty in differences, and I don't see division. I just see beauty. Um, when the, when you wanna when you you know you wanna touch base with one of your cultures, one of your many cultures that you're a part of, which is incredible, uh, how do you celebrate your culture while living in Spain? Uh, I think it's complicated because I feel like there's so many aspects. Um, for me, music has been one of the biggest ones. When I was little, my mom had this, you know, the, all these albums um, of Latin American artists, and I would listen to them over and over. I remember particularly the Gloria Estefan, Mi Tierra album. I still remember sitting in my mom's bed and just going through all the lyrics and looking at the pictures and having her sing about how proud she is of her, you know, of, of her land and her, you know, her tierra and everything. Uh, so music for Latin America has been, I think, my biggest one. Um, for Spain, I, I think keeping my grandparents' legacy alive they were uh, very politically active uh, during the Spanish Civil War and after the Spanish Civil War. And they went through so much, um, uh, so many atrocities really that they experienced. And how seeing their, hearing about their stories, and even I got to see even a documentary feature, my grandmother, and thinking like, wow, like, they really fought so hard for the rights of Spaniards and just people in general and how committed they were to giving their entire lives to fighting for fighting for like to fight for others and and democracy. Um, I think for me is the biggest way to celebrate my Spanish heritage is to keep their stories alive and hopefully me continuing their legacy of of fighting for others in whatever capacity I have or I can. Um, and as for others, I mean, there's so many aspects of my personality that are, you know, one day I'll say something, you know, that's considered very Canadian. <laughs> or, you know, me talking about, you know, um, Russian art or Russian literature through my father. Uh, little things like that. I think it's just it's kind of like a quilt of, you know, all these different... So it depends on, on... I guess it depends on the day. I try to celebrate all of them in whatever ways I can. So I think we'll end it here. Just one last thing. Do you have a message for our listeners? 
for just inclusivity, a message of inclusivity and um, communication, maybe? Yeah, I am a huge believer and supporter of the power of storytelling. And watching Chimamanda's uh, message about, you know, there's no such thing as a single story, I think really speaks to me. And it's something that I always try to express to people and I, and I, and I think you know, communicate it as much as possible where it's like there's no such thing as a single story. There's no such thing as universal experience. So please share your story. Don't be afraid to speak up. And I'm not talking about angrily writing on Twitter or Facebook. Like, do you. But it's more than that. It's why do you feel this way, you know? Like, maybe there's a perspective that someone is missing. So you're saying something online, but there's a reason why you feel so strongly about it. So maybe by sharing your story and your perspective other people will be able to identify with that so definitely um yeah this the storytelling and being open to hearing other people's stories and and perspectives because it's amazing how much more we can learn when we when we hear other people well thank you very much gabby it was a pleasure talking to you your story is incredible and i think we really appreciate the work you've been doing Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. <laughs>